Man. Man, we are so grateful for what God is doing in and through his church. My name's Nate, want to welcome you, and today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, this is Mission Weekend, and uh, I'm here with my good friend, Tim Faree, and uh, Tim has been a part of the Northside family for 30 years. He just came on as an elder, uh, and Tim, you've been a teacher for 34 years, right? Uh, part-time, a little bit of time at uh, Christian Academy, and then at New Albany High School as well. Yes. And uh, if you need tutoring, Tim is your man, all right? No, but... Uh, but Tim has just been a faithful follower, and uh, the reason why I want to interview him here today is this. We know it's Mission Weekend, and we uh, and Doug is not lying. We have incredible booths out there, uh, and the popcorn around the world, it's like going to Epcot just with popcorn. It's a taste of the world out there, all right? Uh, but we want you to hang out, and here's why. Uh, this series that we're doing is all about how God has entrusted you and I with the mission, you know, sometimes when we saw the missionaries at the beginning of the service, we go, I know God has called us uh, to, to be people who share his word, but that's for them, right? Nate, you're a pastor. That's for you. But what you find Jesus doing in Matthew 28 is this. The mission isn't just for like the Navy SEAL Christians, all right? It's not just for the elite. It's not for those who have it all together. What you'll find today is this, is that the mission of Jesus is for every single one of us. And here's the thing, we don't believe that, which is why we need Jesus. Because he says this in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, we're going to put it on the screen. Jesus, before he ascends back to heaven as he's ruling and reigning right now, what he does is he gets 500 of his closest disciples together. He gets everybody together. He gets those who have failed him together. And this is what he says. He says, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's the good news about being a pastor. Jesus has already come up with the vision. I just have to execute it, all right? Like somebody, somebody asked me one time, like, how do you come up with all your sermons? Just open the Bible. And uh, I got like a cheat sheet here. And this is the good news of Jesus. And this is why I want to interview Tim Faree today is this. Is oftentimes we, when we think about the mission, we exclude ourselves from the mission. And what we're going to find today is this. That discovering the mission of Jesus is a journey. And Tim, God has had you on a journey for the last 30 years as you've been a follower of Jesus and even as a kid when you've become a follower of Jesus. And what we're going to do today is this. We're just going to hear how God has begun to tease out his mission in Tim's life. And our hope and prayer today is this, is that you would hear Tim's story just of a school teacher, a husband, a dad. Uh, for a while, you were a coach and a track coach, right? And soccer, yes. Track and soccer. And uh, here was uh, your motto, because you didn't know you were going to be a track coach when you were a track coach. No, I didn't. And here was your infamous speech that you told them on your first day. Guys, if we run faster than them, we're going to win. <laughs> right? When that, that was, uh, I told like you, he's this. brilliant, man. This man is brilliant. <laughs> but you just kind of got roped in. And here's the thing. This is why I want to interview Tim. He's just an everyday person, just like you and me here. But the incredible thing about this in your life, Tim, is the mission of Jesus has changed your life. Mm -hmm. It's changed the way that you lived. It's changed the way that you taught. It's changed the way that you lead your family. And so if you would, just take us back to the beginning of your journey as you began to be a follower of Jesus. Sure. Thanks, Nate. Um, well, when I was a kid, very young child, 
Um, I was just in the basement playing with my metal farm set. My buddy was across the table from me. And I don't remember what he did, but he made me very angry. So I picked up the metal wagon, wasn't plastic in those days, and I heaved it at him. I nailed him right in the forehead. It puts a big dent in his forehead, he bleeding, and he just starts screaming, crying. And I felt terrible inside. I just felt awful. I knew I'd done wrong. If there was any doubt I'd done wrong, my mom heard the screams. She came downstairs and she verified, yes, son, you have done You've wrong. You've done wrong. <laughs> yes. And so uh, I had really good parents and they, uh, they took me to church and the pastor said that uh, everybody did things wrong like that. And the things that we do wrong separate us from God. And uh, he says, if, if you don't do anything about that, you'll be eternally separated from God someday. But he said, the things that we've done wrong, throwing wagons or whatever we do, uh, that everybody does, um, Jesus paid the price for those. We can't pay the price for those. Yeah. I could not heal my friend's forehead. I couldn't do it. There's nothing I could do to do that. I was helpless. Uh, but Jesus died for our sins. And uh, the pastor would say, if you believe in him, accept him, make him Lord of your life, repent of your sins, uh, then someday you can be in heaven with God. Well, it was a pretty easy decision for me when it was laid out like that. You know, and so I became a follower of Jesus at a very young age. Uh, it saved me from a lot of problems that most people have in high school and college and whatnot. Uh, but the battle then became is, you know, Jesus is in my life, but was he the center of my life? Yeah. And was he in charge? And that was just a battle through high school and college, you know, got into other things, you know, mainly athletics, things like that. Fortunately, I wasn't that good, so it didn't last very long, you know. Yeah. But... Um, uh, when it came time to get married, I knew that was forever because that's what I'd been taught. And I said, I'm going to marry the right one. I'm going to marry somebody I know that I can stay forever married to. And so I have a wonderful wife and um, we've just have done our best to raise our kids as Christians and teach them the ways of God. And, uh, but like many people, uh, we fell into the trap of busyness and uh, doing a lot of good things. Some things that weren't good and bad, but there was just too much going on in our life. And uh, we were extremely busy and... Um, during that season, my youngest daughter was 12 years old, and uh, without us even knowing it, she lost 20 pounds and was anorexic. Hmm. And um, so that just took us to our knees, and uh, we, um, we just cut out everything, absolutely everything. And all we did was work and go to church and take care of our family. And, um, and it was during that season, um, I got a phone call from my brother-in-law, who's a pastor, and he lives out of town. He calls me, he says, I want you to know I'm praying for you, and uh, you're going to get through this. And he says, I'm praying for what happens on the other side of this. And then in a very kind way, he kind of said, you know, Tim, things have to change. And if he, it was a good thing he was on the phone, because if he had been in my presence that moment, I might have thrown the wagon yeah, at him, the I think. Yeah, coming at him, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, so... We did, he was right. We made it through that season, things got better. Uh, it took uh, seven or eight years, but I just, because of God's grace, because of his power, um, my daughter's completely healed, physically yeah. and mentally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, praise God about that, that. Man. It's just one of these things. Yeah. Just... But um, even as we were going th that, things got better. Uh, you know, and I, I was just struggling. And uh, I was reading my Bible one day and uh, I just got frustrated because I kind of felt dry and I just literally took my Bible and pushed it away and sat there and just said, God, I said, 
I don't know why I read this. I said, because I know what it says, but I don't always, I don't always do what it says. Um, I realized, I thought to myself, you know, if I just did half of the things that I know that it says, I'd be twice the person that I am. And that, that was just a prayer I had. And um, uh, of course we got out of that season and then um, um, just started trying to figure out what was next because at that point in my life, I just held off everything. I said no to everything. Yeah. And it just didn't let anything back in for a long time. Yeah. So you end up, you're in a super busy season. You love the Lord. Yeah. You're still following Jesus. Uh, but if it's okay to say maybe the mission of Jesus isn't really kind of... It was squeezed out. Yeah. It was just going to church. Yep. That's exactly right. God, but the mission isn't exactly really right. leading it. Yeah. Then uh, Bob Goff comes and teaches here a couple of years yeah. ago. And God yeah. just did something that weekend in your heart and life through that moment. What, what began to flow out of that? Well, you know, kind of that prayer was at that same time that he came and you know, he just talked about loving, loving others and just love the person in front of you. And so uh, I thought, okay, that's simple. I mean, God, the book, it says to do that. Let's just start there, Yeah. you know? And so I did. And um, about that time, uh, I was praying with a friend of mine, Greg Geisen, worked with Norman High School for years, did a lot of ministry with him. And uh, this young man walks in who obviously wasn't from around here, right? He was a Congolese refugee and Greg says, hey, can we pray for you? He said, sure. So we prayed for him. And then I got to know him and uh, I just started spending a lot of time with him. I mean, because he had a lot of need. He was from another country, simple things like uh, reading mail. As you, you can, coming from another country, I mean, he literally, you know, grew up in a mud hut. Yeah. And then you come to America and you've got dishwashers and all these things to deal with. And it turns uh, out mail isn't always real. That you <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this, not, yeah. yeah this, you can't believe everything that you get. Yeah. And, and he would bring in his mail and say, what's going on with this? You know? Yeah. And is it real? I said, no, just throw that away. Oh, keep that one. You know? Yeah. That uh, one's a bill. You yeah. Know <laughs> you need to yeah, pay yeah. that. That's why your lights are out. That's job. right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and, uh, and so that was a neat time, I think. Because um, you start bringing him here to church. Here's yeah, we brought him here to, yeah, yeah, we brought him here to church. And he came in and the first thing he said, he goes, I want to be baptized. I'm like, well, watch out, we, we got to talk about that a little bit. But he was a believer and um, uh, we went through the process then and we're able to baptize him here. Yeah, I think we got a North picture Side. here of Maja getting baptized a couple years ago. Yeah, it was just an yeah. amazing moment. And this was a, this was a turning point where you're, you're kind of in a dry, frustrated yep, season. You're right. asking God what's next. He's going, yeah. just love the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. Maja was working at New Albany High School, just cleaning the building, comes in for prayer. You, you say, can you pray? Here God yeah. begins to open your eyes mm-hmm. to the mission uh, yeah. of meeting people right where they are right. and inviting them into this relationship. What began to happen next after this? Well, Maja, uh, it got complicated because... I don't know all the rules and everything. And, and then there's even legal issues that come up. And so I was just talking to my wife about it one night. And she says, we need to talk to Karen Harper because Karen Harper was going through the same thing. And she had got connected with this guy named Jim Gray. Now, Jim Gray is, uh, um, he's, uh, uh, he's a connector. And uh, he, um, he was retired, but he was spending all his time, most of his time, uh, he was becoming a missionary, but most of his time was spent working with mo- local uh, refugees. And so he helped me out a whole bunch. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he, he uh, uh, taught me a lot of things and helped me. And then he also, as I said, he was studying to be a missionary. And uh, 
Years ago, I had taken a course here. Terry Ruff um, said to me one day, uh, hey, uh, I've got this course that I want you to take on missions and I want to know when you're going to do it. He didn't ask me, would you be interested? He just said, when are you going to do this? And that's when I learned that term voluntold, right? I was voluntold to take this class. And so, uh, and and I I had remembered in that class, there was this thing called a disciple-making movement. And as a math teacher, the way it worked, I looked at it and thought, that is how it should be done. And, uh, And so Jim actually was starting to do some of this with some of the Congolese refugees in Louisville. And so we start training them. And then uh, Jim connected me to this guy named Eric Berry, who was a missionary for 20 years. He trained missionaries all over the world for 10 years. And uh, he was started working with us. And then he started working with me one-on-one, teaching me disciple-making movement principles. Yeah. And, uh, and it was incredible. And I was really kind of concerned because my wife was too, because I'm starting to dive into this. Like, are we going to get too busy again? But um, I was holding everything off. But I remember the first time we met, he does a PowerPoint and he shows a slide. And that slide showed uh, two people, person A and person B. Person A had this much Bible knowledge, but they did this much. Person B had this much knowledge, but they did this much. And who's more mature? When I saw that graphic, thinking back to what happened, and then, you know, if I just did half what I know, I'd be twice the person I am. I said, I need to pay attention to what this man is saying. And uh, so he taught me all sorts of... uh, Just simple ways to pray, simple ways to read the Bible, simple ways to have Bible study, simple ways to share the gospel that weren't just simple for me to do, but it was simple for me to teach others to do. Uh, You know, Jesus was a good teacher. Good teachers take complicated things and they make them simple. Jesus took all 613 laws of the Old Testament and broke it down to two, love God, love others. You know, and I think during that season when we just weren't doing a whole lot, um, uh, I was learning to love God more time in prayer, more time in Bible study. And then the next step was to love others. Well, now it's time to make disciples, which you just talked about earlier. And so uh, uh, Eric uh, would travel and he would do these trainings and and, uh, we started training people online. And it just so happened that we trained this guy in Uganda at the same time that my daughter is in Uganda doing student teaching. And she had a kind of a rough time at the airport there. and as we were talking, you know, everything, she's like, man, I'm just nervous about coming back on the airplane, you know. And it just so happened that her fall break was at my fall break. And Jacob, this, our friend from Uganda, uh, was over there. And we kind of wanted to go check it out and get to know him a little bit better and maybe do a training over there. So I said, would you, would you just push back instead of coming home for fall break? Why don't you just stay a week and I'll help you get back from the airport. Oh, dad, that'd be great. That'd be great. So, so we did. And I, I took that trip. And the funny thing is, is we're coming back on the airport she was like, dad, you're in the wrong line. Like she was helping me get back more than I was helping her get back. So anyway, it was, it was a neat time. And so then uh, uh, had a great trip and was all fired up. And then Spring Bank uh, opened up a place uh, for us to go to an orphanage called Nile Orphan Care. And uh, uh, we went there, there were 650 orphans, one meal a day, South Sudan, 70 years of civil war. These kids were brought in from all over the country. Their parents basically killed one another. I mean, it was just a bad situation. And so we went in and we were invited to teach them these simple tools. So we teach these simple tools and these uh, orphans then, uh, when, when we left, the teachers organized them into seven Bible studies. Now we only taught like 15 to 20, these 650, but these tools are simple, reproducible. So the idea is they're to teach the others. So uh, we leave there and come back in June 
And those seven groups had turned to 11 and they had started over 20 outside the orphanage. Uh, and so we just came back from there in October and we visited them again. Those 11 groups are now over 20 in the orphanage. They still have over 20 outside the orphanage. And we saw students stand up and teach us and tell us how that Bible study worked, who we didn't train. We trained the kids who trained the kids. And, uh, and so that was a very powerful thing. The uh, founder of Nile Orphan Care is actually here today. He'll be out if you want to talk to him outside. And then uh, Dave Albert, a member here, uh, he is uh, uh, now the president of the board there. And just sucking people into this mission. And you keep talking about these simple tools. I know when we're making disciples and doing this, sometimes, like what you said, it's like, man, make it simple. If you go to mynorthside.info uh, on the sermon notes, we have the links to all these simple tools. You know, sometimes we're going, I don't know how to share my faith. There's simple ways I can teach you, simple ways to read the Bible. Because sometimes we're going, man, we look at this big thing. We're like, I, I don't know how to begin to read this, apply this. And really, this mission is beginning to change your life. You're bringing it back to New Albany High School. God's, yeah. starting, God's starting to use you to start Bible studies with the teachers just there in yeah. the school right where you are. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, we were, um, I, I said, this, this has to work anywhere. So I started a Bible study at, with, the t with the students, and it was really going well. I mean, I could just see these kids were eating it up. Well, then COVID hit, and uh, I just... Uh, it just shut it down, obviously. And then when, after COVID came back, uh, I tried to get that Bible study going again because I just was, was convinced that that Bible study was the thing that multiplies. Just, it was so simple and it's designed to, for people to start groups, to start groups. And that's what we did at Nile Orphan Care. And I was convinced, but I couldn't get it going again. And uh, we also teach this thing called the prayer cycle where you can pray for an hour. And uh, I don't know about you, Nate, but I usually can't pray more than five minutes in my mind somewhere else. Yeah, I don't and, struggle uh, with that. No, I'm joking. Yes, I do. Yeah, my, <laughs> my mind's going everywhere all the time. So the prayer cycle, every five minutes you switch to another topic. You go from praise to silence to confession of sin. And yeah. if you don't think you confess sin for five minutes, ask your spouse. She'll give She'll you a list. She'll confess it for you. One yeah. to ten. And when that's done, I'll give you another list. No problem. And so, uh, and so I've got this problem. This Bible study won't start again. So this, it, last January, February... We had some snow days. So I just went to school. I got that prayer socket. I start praying and I said, Lord, just give me one. Just give me one. So that was Thursday and Friday. And then Monday, uh, after first period, student walks up. Hey, Mr. Free, you still got that Bible study after school? And I said, well, actually I don't right now, but I'd love to start one. I said, if you come and bring your friends, I don't care if it's just you. I said, I'll show you a Bible study. It'll change your life. It'll change this school. It'll change this city. It'll change the whole world. And he goes, he just got real, he just, he goes, yeah, I, th I think I can make it. <laughs> and so, really so, yeah, I was like, so I took that energy he had, you know, yeah. and uh, we started meeting. <laughs> and uh, uh, for three weeks, we met and I just showed him how to do it. And after three weeks, I said, all right, your turn. It was what? I said, you lead me. Because I can't lead you. I said, yes, you can. You just do what I did. And so he starts doing it. He gets, he gets good at it. He starts inviting his friends. Before the end of the school year last year, he was teaching his friends how to do it. And I was just sitting back watching him. And, uh, and then when school year started, I had a couple other Bible studies. I taught all this to a teacher there. The teacher con has continued it going there. And uh, that student, um, now I just, uh, there's a teacher here who opened up a room. And I think he's going to start it up again because he was, an athlete squeezing out that stuff, you know, yeah. but I think he's, he's ready to come back again. But, but yeah, uh, powerful tools. 
And uh, I think, um, like you were saying, I, I learned that prayer is probably the thing that really drives the, the yeah. whole deal. And I've, I've learned it. I've learned quite a bit. Um, but then, um, you know, I spent fall break um, going overseas, then spring break, and then summer break. And uh, during all this time, Eric, keep my, who was training me, he keeps saying, Tim, you know, you should do this full time. I said, oh, yeah, I think when I retire, that's what I'm going to do. I'll do this when I retire. He goes, oh, no, Tim, you can do this now. I said, I can't do it now. I mean, I have the money. And he goes, he goes, oh, but you can raise money. I said, I don't know. And he's like, this is what he said, all right? He says to me, Tim, look, I go and I preach the gospel. He goes, I'm not a very good person, but people give me money. Tim, you're a good guy. They'll give you money for sure. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. So I called it. I said, all right, I, I will find out. And so uh, I, um, I joined the organization he started to do this. He started. He while just, you're teaching. While I'm, teaching. Yeah, while I'm teaching. Yeah. While I'm teaching. Uh, and um, he just, he, he, he quit his job with uh, his mission organization. He started a new one because he only wanted to focus on disciple making movements. And uh, so we go to South Sudan again this summer, like I said, and I got back and I was uh, sick. I joined the organization, put out my first newsletter, you know, had the thing set up if somebody wanted to give. And uh, I was just uh, sitting on the couch and could barely even watch Netflix, you know. And finally I was, I was just sitting, I thought, well, let me just see if um, anything's come through. And so I get up my phone, I look up the account and I said, I, better get my glasses on because there's some zeros and all that's a comma or a period. Is that dollars or that cents? I didn't know. And it was dollars. And I was like, wow, I guess I'm done teaching. And uh, you retired two years early. Well, I told the principal, it's going to take me one to three years before I raise enough money. But God said, go now. And so, well, and my wife, I, I called her. And I, said, I told her what happened. I said, I'm going to go quit. And she goes, you going to quit? I said, yeah, I'm going to quit. She goes, yeah. We, we need to pray about this, don't we? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, well, we already prayed. And he said, God, if you provide the money, I'll quit and go. So what's that prayer going to look like? Okay, God, we pray that if, a, if you provide the money, we'll quit and go. You've provided the money. Now what do we do? Right? There's, there's, no, there's no question about that. And it's so interesting that, you know, God always puts an exclamation point on things. Because finally I got well. And um, we trained. At that time I was training at a at a drug rehab center on Fridays. And then on Saturdays, we have training online. And we have all these different teachings we do. And one of them is on radical, immediate, costly obedience. And we have a story of, we go through Abraham's life and talk about how he had radical, immediate, costly obedience. So the, the first thing I teach after this, agreeing to do this, was radical, immediate, costly obedience on Friday and on Saturday. And that was beforehand like I didn't just say let's do that no that was we looked at the schedule and it just so happened that that was what was next so that was God's exclamation point on the deal one of the things I love and I just I don't want us to miss this in Tim's story is that the mission is for everybody the, the mission is for everybody uh, this is what I love about God sometimes we think the church only has to get younger and it does we do need to re reach the next generation but can I remind you this the church also needs to get older and one of the things that I believe God is doing through Tim and so many here in the Northside family is this. He is using your wisdom. He is using what he's done in you and in your family over the last years to now become a blessing to others. And uh, if you were just to talk a little bit more with Tim, here's what he would tell you to do. And this is what we talked about just this morning. Love God, love others, and make disciples. And say, God, would you help me to love the one right in front of me? 
God, would you help me to meet those who are right in front of me? And to say, God, as you want to work, just work. And we begin to see God do amazing things. I'm going to have Tim pray for us here in just a minute. We want to provide time for you guys to be able to hang in the lobby. But this is Jesus' prayer. And Matthew chapter 9 will be up on the screen. But this is his heart. And he says this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And today, you may not feel like it. You may not even know that God wants to turn your life into being a worker for his kingdom, to connect people like Maja who are here, people in your work, people in your neighborhood, people in your home, but he does. And so, Tim, would you pray for us today, man, as we continue on this journey? And just, Mm -hmm. can we just thank him real quick just for just your vulnerability and just really your obedience, man? Why don't you pray for us today? Father in heaven, you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You are worthy, Father. You're worthy of our love. And because of your love for us, Father, we can love others. And Father, um, if you tell us to make disciples, we should do that, Father, because you are, uh, we know that you're the one uh, that we should follow, Father. You rose from the dead. Father, you perform miracles on this earth. There's all prophecies around your birth, Father. And Lord, we have this message because of the, the martyrs who died, Father, to give it to us, who even continues to this day. People are sharing this truth, Father, for the cost of their own life. Let us not forget that, Lord. But also, as Nate said, Father, this is for all of us, Father, even the safety of America. Lord, help us to, um, to really carry out this mission, Father, to realize that you're worthy, Father, to get up early and pray and read the Bible every day. You're worthy of that, Father. You're worthy of our time to do that, Lord. Give us the strength to do that. Give us the strength to to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us, Father. Lord, I pray for each person here. As we come to church, your spirit speaks to us, Father. I pray we would have the boldness to do what it says for each and every person here, that next step, whatever it may be. And Lord, we love you and praise you. We thank you so much for this day and the opportunities you bless us with in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May you guys go. Have a great day. Check out some booths. We'll see you Wednesday night for our night of worship. Thanks for being here today, guys.